Howdy folks, welcome to the podcast. This is the shit that physios need to know. For the next 30 odd minutes you'll be with me, Nick Marshall, and my co-host, Dr. Josh Carter. So let's get into it. Howdy folks and welcome back to the podcast. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about what I call the stats that you and your boss should need to know or and should be focusing on um, in private practice. One, obviously to make the boss happy, but but in turn to make you happy and to give you a better understanding of, of how and and how well you're going, I guess, in your job. Um, and that's a hard thing to sometimes justify is how well you're going in your job because obviously the boss will think you're going well um, based on how many times you see people, how much money you, you know you're generating, and your, or the revenue you're bringing in, um, and that ne- not necessarily is a, a direct correlation with how well you're going, because people could argue, well, you know, you see people less because you get them better quicker, that you you bring in less revenue, and then that's always that ongoing de- debate um, that plenty of universities will have, and new grades will have, and 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 long-term physios will have, is you know. Um, it's hard to sort of work out what that delicate balance is of seeing people too much and, and seeing them not enough and, you know, do I get them back more often? I'm, I'm an experienced physio, so in theory I should get them better quicker, so see them less. Um, but by the same token, um, what you tend to find a little bit is that those people who have been out a little bit longer or your boss or the owner will see them more. And, you, you know, as a new grade, sometimes you can look at that and go, yeah, they're just grabbing more money. Um, but there might be more to it than that. So I think there's, um, there's a couple of really important stats, and I think as a, as a new grad, the hardest thing to come to grips with is, is the fact that you're charging somebody for your service, and you might feel um, guilty about getting the person back. You know, there's that sort of morality to it all where, oh, I've got to, you know, they're paying good money for this. I don't want to get them in too often. Um, and I, I listened to a couple of business coaches on this one, and obviously I'm coming from it, from a business owner's perspective, where they sort of said, why do physios always wear the, the personal finances of the patient? If you go and see another specialist, um, you know, whether a specialist orthopedic or you know, oncologist or any of those sort of things, money will never come into it. They will tell you exactly what you need to know, what images you need to get and how often you need to come back. And, you, and they won't they won't bargain or barter with you. Oh, you haven't got enough money. Well, I think you'll do it. You can do it the cheap way this way. They'll just tell you what it is, and they'll leave it entirely up to you as to whether your finances can afford it and whether you value it. And I think sometimes as physios, we we don't do that. We tend to sometimes we don't even verbalise that we think, oh, this person hasn't got much money. I'll, I'll put it out to a fortnight. I won't see him, you know, again this week. Um, and I think as a result, we tend to to almost bastardise the profession. And, and what we should really be doing and what this business coach sort of spoke about was we should really just be putting it back on the patient, laying out the plan and saying, look, this is what would happen if you were playing for the Broncos. You would be seeing me this amount of times. You would have this imaging. You would have this strength and conditioning coach monitoring your strength. You'd be doing these things all throughout the day. Now, I understand that finances dictate what you can do, but I'm going to leave it with you as to how often I need to see you how often you think you need to come in because ultimately I think you need to be here you know and, and you lay it out sort of almost on a spreadsheet so to speak um, so I think it's a really difficult thing and I think um, that's one of the biggest things when you're a new grad or if you've come from a, a you know a, a hospital based setting to private practice you, you tend to struggle with because you're in a different mindset 
Um, but I think some of the time, or sometimes the best thing to do is to take money off the table when you're doing your job. So you're the physio. Don't, you're not a financial advisor. You're not the bank. So don't worry about what it costs. If you think they need to be in a certain amount of times, you just apply it and leave that decision based on funding up to the patient. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's a hard so thing. much easier said than done. I distinctly remember in circa two thousand eight having a chat with one of my mates in my EP degree about how bad it was when physios saw someone more than once a week. I distinctly remember the conversation going, "Oh, if we get into physio after this, oh, I'm never going to be the physio that sees someone more than once a week. That's just unnecessary." And now I realise how wrong that way of thinking is and so does that mate that I was talking to we caught up a couple of months ago and had a laugh at how dumb we were. It's just totally a flawed way of thinking. It's really interesting though because even though I now know that's a flawed way of thinking, I still sometimes struggle with, you know, charging good money, someone's paying you and is it is it that we're worried about uh, what the patient perceives as the value they've received or are we worried about what value we've given the patient? What do you think? Yeah, look, I think that's absolutely right. I think because we're probably constantly bombarded in physio with, oh, there's not enough evidence to doing that, or there's not that, we tend to devalue the things that we do. And I, and, um, I, I would 100% agree. I think the thing that frustrates me sometimes with physios is that physios will undervalue what they do. You know, they might do a small massage. They might do some needling. They'll give some exercises. And, and and then, but most importantly, and I think the thing that's worth the most amount of money is they'll give their advice, and it's their advice that I think you're paying for. But by the same token, they'll that same patient that you're sitting in front of you will pay exactly what what they've paid you to go see a massage therapist who've, who's done a two to three week course, and it's just going to rub on a few things with no real purpose or design. Um, but they're happy to pay that, and and I, what frustrates me is physios then don't understand that the patient they feel better with that so don't undervalue what you're doing what you're doing is really really important but more importantly the biggest ticket is what you're saying like and i think we undervalue our advice and unfortunately i think probably even the government undervalues our advice and so we don't necessarily get remunerated from the government for for what we're telling because quite often that that adage of common sense is not that common you know and when people come in and and they sort of have an injury they really, well, my take on it is they really want to know what's wrong, what they can do, what they can't do, and when, and basically what they should be doing from here. And then there's the stuff that you do, the hands-on stuff, the exercise prescription and, and so on and so forth. So um, it is a really difficult thing. And I think we, we tend to undervalue all these skills that we have because even the community out there undervalues our advice. They don't realise that that's the, the real pearl um, and they sort of think, oh, I need to just, I need to get a good rub, or I need to get cracked and popped and needled and you know, that sort of stuff. But you're right. I think it's a combination of both the patient, but almost certainly the physio, kind of not thinking they've done enough for that that amount of money. Yeah. You know. Um, so I guess there's some probably as a as a as a boss or as an employer, there's some key areas and and um, there's some acronyms for it. You know, but one of the biggest ones is how many times you're getting somebody back. So the PVA, you gave me the PVA. What's PVA. the PVA stand for? Patient John? visit average, which is the ratio between an initial appointment with the same person and how many follow-ups you have with that person. Absolutely. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Nice and, easy. And, and I think it's a really good stat 
that people will talk about. I, um, even though I employ you, <laughs> I couldn't remember that it was called the PVA, but it was. I, I basically would call it the conversion rate. So if you're a football player, you know, have you converted? So you've scored the try, you've got them in the door, and then are you going to convert? And so that conversion rate can be, like you said, one initial, one follow-up. Boss might not be super pumped about that, but people get better. So that you know, someone might have got your advice. You know, very closely adhered to the exercises. Pathology had got better, and they've gone. So you know, you can't argue with that. But other times, you would you would hope that your conversion rate's a bit better. So that for every person that comes in, you might be looking at five appointments or six appointments, and that sixth appointment might be a follow up three or four months down the track to make sure things are going okay. Um, we've spoken off air about a, a physio that's um, that's here on the coast. Um, that uh, that was putting a fair bit of pressure on somebody to do twelve follow up appointments, um, which is a lot. That's which a is lot. A, it is a lot. And and the person who spoke to us about that was an employee um, who wanted my advice on what I felt the twelve was like. And that's one of my biggest bugbears with physios is that they stab other physios in the back. So I didn't want to just launch in and go, wow, twelve, drop that, come and work for us. So I tried to see it from that physio's perspective. And whilst twelve is excessive. Um, when I actually sort of spoke to that physio about it, um, I, and I, I can't talk for this other employer, but, um, but I could see how if you're better utilising your entire clinic and that 12 wasn't physio appointments but it was spread across the clinic, you could justify 12. It's and so quite what easily justifiable. Well, we had that chat. We had that chat. So I was quite surprised by it because I had the same response 12 times seeing a patient. I'm like, jeez, that's a lot. But... Yeah, if it's across a service, and, and even to a degree, I think it's still somewhat justifiable, even if it was just physio appointments, but you would be taking on probably more of that EP role as well, seeing through high-level rehab. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to sort of debrief a little bit on what, what that 12 looked like when you know coming through our service was that we had probably three to four, I can't remember now because we've got the spreadsheet there, but three, four or five... Acute appointments. Acute physio appointments. Um, we then put the person with the, with the clinic's EP so that we were working on strength and, and targeting specific areas of the injury for strength. And we then set them up um, when that those appointments were done, that might have been another three or four appointments. Um, we then set them up in the Pilates classes and it might have been a, a one-on-one Pilates class initially with the EP to assess where the deficiencies were and then for that Pilates class to be a group class to then on-go. Now, whether that was ongoing in terms of... Um, you know, a group setting with a reformer, with a mat, you know, we, we sort of argued and tried to justify. But but overall there, you could see where 12 appointments for that injury, particularly if it was an injury that needed that sort of stuff, like a rolled ankle might not need a full Pilates program, um, you know, but it, but it might. Mm-hmm. But it, certainly there would be people who, who potentially had an acute back pain that you could justify going all the way through to that, that process of, ongoing Pilates, you know, once a month they come and do a group class, they get corrected on their technique and then they're followed up. So um, from that regard, I think that there's, there's certainly merit and value in that kind of aspect. So I guess what I call the conversion rate, you're calling the PVA, mm-hmm. which is great. And so to reca- recap on that, that's basically how many times you get the person back from their initial appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really nice you know, essential sort of key figure to sort of be aware of. And like I said at the start, there'd be people that more experienced physios that might argue that their number would be lower um, because they're more experienced, they get people better quicker. But there's also people that could argue, well, they're better at seeing it all the way through to the end. So 
you know, that's again a, a debate to have with your employer. Um, then there's also the utilization rate. Yep. So literally how full your book is for your, whether it's a 38-hour week you work or a 40-hour week you work, the percentage of your list that's filled. Yep. And so, and again, look, that's the, that, I guess that's probably the thing that most people instantly look at because they look at their list on the day and they go, oh, God, I'm quiet Quite today. today. <laughs> and it's instantly the thing that the boss looks at because the boss brings up your list too and says, Quiet today. Jeez, he's quiet today. <laughs> um, so, and again, that, that's a difficult one. That's one that sometimes where the PVA is very much in the clinician's favour and in the clinician's power to, to dictate that, sometimes to an extent the utilisation rate's one that's out of your control. You can't go out and injure people. Obviously you need... Well, you can. We can. But it's frowned upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but a good money earner. Probably is. So... Yeah. Um, but uh, but utilisation rate is, can sometimes have to do with the marketing of the practice and the, you know your marketing of you as an individual. If people aren't ringing up to actually be with you, but they're ringing up to be with the person beside you whose utilisation rate is full... Um, and yours is empty, then that's that kind, it's a different discussion to have with your employer. So that might be that the employer's um, got different pay rates in, in place and you're, you're basically on a percentage where someone else on the wage, so they're putting everybody into the person on the wages list to make sure they get their money. Um, there's a whole range of things that can happen there. So the utilisation rate is one of those ones where that's not, impu- that's not purely put back on the employee. The employee, it's as important for them to understand why their utilisation rate is the way it is um, as it is for the employer. Whereas I'd say the other, our PVA is very much a, a, a direct measure of how you're going or how you're going with a particular stat. I shouldn't say how you're going, but how, how you're rebooking people in. And so I guess if we look at that utilisation rate, that spawns other discussions for other times, but trying to work out why you are quiet. You know, there's... I find, from our perspective, our practice, we're flat out in the school holidays. The school holidays, we're full um, because I think our practice has a very young, sporty population and that's when people in the middle of the day who are kids who couldn't normally come and see you because they're at school will come and see you in the middle of the day. Um, whereas sometimes, you know, in the middle of semesters or middle of terms, that middle of the day can be a little bit quiet and it can be a bit thin and, and certain... Clinicians are more thin in those hours than others. And so they're the people that you might talk to and say, hey, look, I reckon we need to look at a way to make that tendal two slot busier, knowing that that's, you know, the people that don't work, the people that don't go to school, that's more your elderly people. Retirees. Retirees. How can we tap into that market? You know, is there a, a golf club or a bridge club or a bowls club, bowls club, a walking group that we can kind of target to sort of say, right, this is, you know, this is how we're going to pad out that middle of the day um, and so again like I said that utilisation rate is very much a it's an ongoing discussion between you and the employer um, what, are, what are some other things well just on the PVA I find it really intriguing and you can, you can get lost in the maths and I'm really not good at maths at all so I'm not going to use examples because I'll embarrass myself but your PVA can relate to either how many new patients a week you as a practitioner need to see or the practice needs you to see. So if you have a lower PVA, you know, you know three, four, let's say, um, and I say low, but okay, 
that's probably very contextual depending on whether you're in a rural practice or whether you're in a busy city, central Melbourne or Brisbane or something like that, Sydney, where you're, you're you know, so it's very contextual. I say low PVA of four. But if you're a low PVA of four, you're going to need more new patients every single week to maintain a decent utilization rate. Yep. Whereas if your PVA is higher and maybe you are booking people in multiple times a week across more weeks, then you don't need to see as many new patients. And, you know, as the boss, that maybe takes some pressure off of, um, you know, a marketing budget or um, more time for going out and, you know, call it spruiking or, you know, going to sports clubs and doing what we've spoken about in another podcast, the free stuff, you know, the the how to give our time and when that's appropriate. So, you know, stay tuned for that one or, or have a look for that one. But it's more about your PVA is higher. You don't need as many new people coming into the practice. And, absolutely. And does that take a load off you and, and help you sleep at night? Yeah, absolutely. I guess as an employer, you know, you look at that utilisation rate and at a glance, you don't really care too much if it, so long as it's full. Obviously, when you get the microscope out and you look at the PVA, you want to make sure that there's new people coming in. Um, but if you look at other professions, you know, and, and you know, it's far from me to sort of compare us to other people, but if you if you are looking at some osteopaths and chiropractors and other people, um, they they get to a point where their lists are full and their books are closed because essentially they have a follow up, you know, maintenance, I guess you'd say, type treatment. Now, as a business owner, taking my physio hat off and just putting my business owner hat on, that's a fantastic model because it it essentially means that you don't you. You sleep easy at night knowing that there's enough money coming in each week to pay the wages of people that are working for you. Um, now, you know, for whatever reason, and I'm not going to argue with good, bad or indifferent, physios tend to not have that maintenance idea. They tend to have a, you're injured and I'll fix you kind of uh, mentality. But, um, but yeah, you do, you do at a glance just look at that utilisation rate and, and hope that it's full, you know, hope that the list's full. Um, and on the surface yeah you you do not have an enormous problem if the patient's getting people back a little you know that extra couple of sessions and we've spoken about it on other podcasts you know that potentially people get better quicker if they're seen more often so there is justification to seeing people more often obviously finances and everything of the patient can dictate that and sometimes you as the clinician have got no say in that but um what I would sort of add to that, again, is something that another business owner spoke to me about was, and it's, and I sort of say, say as I, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but um, sometimes at that initial appointment, it's often better to go away and book all six appointments. So if you, if you think, okay, this is a, a particular injury that I think I'll need to follow them up six times, it might be four times, it might be three times, go and try and book them now. Don't, don't, do the selling the package and get them to pay for it now. I don't mean it that way at all. But what I mean is um, from a, an employee's perspective, if you can fill your list in the weeks to come, it's very favourable. It's looked on very favourably by the, the employer. Um, so if you go with the patient and say, look, I'll be honest with you, this is going to take six weeks to get better. I'd like to see you once a week for six weeks. Let's go book them now. If you get better after three weeks, awesome. You know, we'll just cancel those other three. They're not going to cost you anything. Um, and you might justify it to the patient and say, you know, if I'm going to see you in your lunch break, um, 
if we just keep booking week to week, you might find that your lunch break's booked out by somebody else next week. So let's book it now. If this is a convenient time for you, you can basically change your work week for the next six weeks so that this is a time that you've got physio, so you get structure in your life. I know that you're going to be here. Um, if we get better quicker, all good. You know, We'll cancel it. But at least that way, you're approaching each new patient with a bit of a plan. The patient loves it because there's a plan. And I think we underutilize that a lot as physios. On that first appointment, we sort of say, oh, well, maybe I'll see you next, next week. week. Yeah. Um, whereas if we lay out the plan and say, okay, well, We've got, you know, pathology. Pathology takes time. This is how long, you know, and we'll talk about that on another podcast, but on, on basically our tissue biology, how long things take to heal and remodel and repair. This is what it looks like. This is how many appointments I think you need for this, this, and this. I'm going to get you to go book them now. You don't pay for them, but at least that way you can structure your work, working week around what we're doing, and uh, and I can look great to, uh, to my boss because I've filled my list. And I think that's a really good strategy. Like I say, I say it out loud and I'm not that great at doing it. I'm sort of unfortunately stuck in that mould of, oh, I'll see you next week or, you know, I'll see you tomorrow or that sort of thing. Um, but I think when you've been doing it for 20 years, you get very stuck in your way. So I'd, I'd very much promote to people that I think that would be a worthwhile thing to tr- or a worthwhile habit to at least investigate. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think it works out much better. It's probably like our other podcast that you just spoke about. Um, you know, you can be, you can struggle with the morality of seeing people multiple times, but at the end of the day, it, it realistically boils down to them having a very good chance of getting better quicker, and and that's the discussion we've had in another another podcast. But I guess in in summary, you know, for for a new grad or someone returning to private practice. The, the probably two very popular or very focused on statistics, let's call them. Uh, and, and this will lead into another podcast maybe where we talk about you know, asking your boss for a pay rise or discussing and bartering for, uh, for wage increases and that sort of stuff. But the two statistics that are really good to focus on would be your patient visit average and therefore realistically your total revenue is probably the third one that we haven't spoken about but it's pretty self-explanatory and then your utilization rate and knowing that your utilization rate has a number of factors that will contribute to it which are outside of your control as well a bit of it relays on the practice but they're the two biggies probably to to get comfortable with i reckon that's the key is like don't see them as something scary and intimidating and like a you know, you're not a lawyer where you've got some, it's not like suits, where there's that really angry dude in suits just constantly yelling at, uh, at the junior lawyers. It's Lewis. like, Lewis, yes, yeah. Lewis, Lewis, that's him. It's not, not a Lewis situation. It's, yeah. it's literally something that you can justify to yourself and, and work on yourself as a way to improve your practice, I think, as much as make money. Absolutely. So I think that's two really good points and two really good things to have a think about if you are returning to private practice or if you're a student or if, um, if you're a new grad in private practice. Like always, if you want to ask us a question or catch up with us, uh, learn more about us, you can catch us on our social media handles. We are at Josh is at the SUP Physio. I'm at the Aussie Sports Physio. Or you can see our business at Surf Life Physio 1, uh, both on Instagram and Facebook. We're not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. Not, not cool enough. Not, not smart enough, actually. Not. I read some stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Trying to condense things into 120 characters or whatever yeah. that is. Not smart enough. Hectic. All right. That, uh, until next time. That's all for now, folks. We'll be back in hopefully a fortnight's time. Please leave us any feedback and ways that we can potentially improve the show. But like I said, this is the shit that physios need to know. And we'll see you soon.